Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. So tonight's topic is infant baptism. And uh, before I go in, any further, um, let, let me clarify something. Uh, there's a difference between infant baptism and children uh, baptism. Okay? We do believe that you can baptize children. We do believe that children can be baptized. Uh, what, what we are going to explore tonight is whether infants can be baptized. And just so you know, uh, this might be like a settled issue among most uh, Pentecostals or apostolics, but it is not a settled issue among the denominal world. You have Baptists that still uh, believe in baptizing infants. You have Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, and of course, uh, Catholics, etc., that all believe that it's totally legitimate to baptize infants. There's several reasons for this. One of them is because they don't believe baptism makes a difference anyways. So that's their, that's some of their arguments is it doesn't really matter. Uh, but uh, it does matter. Um, I would not want to go throughout life thinking that uh, my baptism meant something if, in fact, it's not supported by Scripture. Uh, and then thinking that something I did when I was an infant uh, has any bearing on me today. So um, and on top of that. Uh, we believe that baptism is extremely significant. And so there is a there is a hermeneutic and there is uh, there's an apostolic um, understanding of baptism, which I believe we'll talk about it right now. There is an apostolic opinion about baptism that I think is valid and that uh, is going to help us in interpreting some of these verses. So let's get started. Um, so probably the first problem we see with infant baptism is the contradiction between how they are performed versus what they are called. Um, the word baptizo, as probably most of us know in Greek, which is the word where we get baptized from, means to submerge or dip in water, which is exactly what is not being done when an infant is, quote unquote, baptized. Uh, so throughout the remainder of this lesson, we will refer to this ritual as infant sprinkling, uh, because that is a more accurate term. Uh, now, I did see the other day on the Internet a video clip. I think it was like Eastern Orthodox people. Right. And they really do dip the kids. I mean, they just plunge them in the water. But I'll even talk about that. But um, here we have kind of the dividing line. And the dividing line is that most people do not dunk the kids in water. And if you've ever seen it, I mean, like people all over the world are like horrified by watching these like these priests like dunk the babies in the water. Um, it, it probably wouldn't fly very well here in the United States. So what you see a lot here and in South America and other parts of the country is the sprinkling of children. And there we already have our first problem is the fact that nobody in the Bible is sprinkled. You cannot use the word baptism and sprinkle uh, interchangeably. They're not the same. Uh, one contradicts the other. And so, uh, 
as far as scripture is concerned, sprinkling is canceled out. So historically, uh, furthermore, historically, there is no evidence that first century Christians practiced infant sprinkling. What we do know about the first century Christians is that they believed in the sinfulness passed on to all humanity through Adam. And what that means is that we believe that children, children um, uh, should be baptized, especially if they've already received the Holy Ghost. But this is a very different argument as to whether or not infants should be baptized or sprinkled. So the reason we would baptize a child, especially one that has the Holy Ghost, is because children are born sinners. All right. So we scripturally, uh, the Bible says all have sinned. That includes children. And uh, so we we do believe uh, in that. The Bible says that sin entered the world right through one man. And it's speaking of Adam. So we believe that our children are born sinners. Okay, that's what we believe. And so we believe that as soon as they are able to comprehend and then respond to the gospel message, they should be uh, baptized. All right. Not sprinkled. Baptized. And they should uh, they should be brought to the altar and prayed for and uh, helped to uh, receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. But let's discuss for a moment some of the arguments made in favor of infant baptism or sprinkling and see what their validity is in light of Scripture. All right. I I'm going to be very frank and honest with you. I was not aware that some of these arguments existed. I I pretty much had my own thing going on in my own head as to why infant sprinkling was invalid or even infant baptism. And I was actually pretty shocked to see uh, what people are arguing about. All right. So let's go through this. Uh, Who can quote Acts 239 for me? All right. Okay. All right. Oh, yes. Perfect. Thank you, Sister Janelle. All right. Keep your Bibles out, everyone. Hallelujah. Uh, all right. So Acts 2.39 says, For the promise is unto you and unto your children. So some have argued that Acts 2.39 is a very good scripture for infant sprinkling. The problem with this, however, is that Peter did not say, For the promise is unto your infants. And there is a specific Greek word for infant. Um, You'll find it in the Gospels of Luke. uh, When Mary runs into Elizabeth, what does she tell Elizabeth? The babe in my womb leapt. Uh, It jumped. It it, it was sparked by when it heard your voice. So the word for infant is actually the the same word they use for unborn child. Um, You will also see uh, another. It's the same word. It appears eight times throughout the New Testament in Greek. Uh, but this is not that word. And there is a word for infant and unborn child, which is the same word. But that is not the word that Peter used here. Peter used the word your children. The promise is unto your children. So he did not say the promise is unto your infants. Secondly, uh, he the promise that Peter is speaking of there is not the promise of baptism. Peter's not saying uh, God has promised it to your kids 
that they can be sprinkled or baptized. That's not the promise he's talking about. What is the promise that Peter's talking about? The promise of the Holy Ghost. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And what will happen? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we get into 39. He says, for that promise or for the promise is unto you and unto your children. And, and he says what that promise is. It's the promise of Joel chapter 2 as well. The, the promise of the Spirit. So there that argument is done away with. Uh, it's, it's not a good argument. Um, we're going to get into some of the more complicated arguments here, which do require a little bit of scriptural analysis. Amen. Um, so there, the second line of argument is that the Bible says several times throughout Acts that whole households were b- believed and were baptized. Uh, and so they argue that logically this included infants. So if I if if the scripture says um, and the scripture does say Acts sixteen fifteen Acts sixteen thirty one through thirty three First Corinthians one sixteen it talks about whole households uh, hearing the gospel believing and being baptized and so people say well logically if the whole household got baptized well then that means infants too. Um, uh, so to take this position, you'd have to do some very serious gymnastics uh, uh, in order to, to, to nail down this argument. Because there's no way to determine that these verses infer that there were even infants in those households. Uh, you have no way of proving that that was the case. The, the scripture doesn't say that. Um, there's no way of knowing, furthermore... Uh, yeah. Well... Let's look at it this way as well. When you read through Acts, you will find that there were households that the Bible uses the term house or households that did not have infants. For example, Acts 21, 8 through 9. There was the house of Philip the evangelist who had four daughters. And the scripture says uh, that they were virgins and that they prophesied. So that lets us know that none of them were infants because uh, prophesying would entail the ability to talk. Um, and that's something infants can't do. In fact, the beautiful thing about, if I remember correctly, the word infant, and this would not apply so much to the Greek and the English, but um, at least for us in modern day terms, the word infant comes from a French word, which means unable to talk, unable to talk. So uh, just the term and just the word infant lets you know that uh uh, there's there's certain levels of faculty and capacity there that do not apply to children. So uh, we see in Acts that there were houses or households um, that did not include infants. To say that every time the Bible says household means infants too is kind of a, a very poor argument. Um, um, if I went over my in-laws household, there would be no infants, uh, not belonging to them at least. Um, they're in a household... And on top of that, household doesn't just mean you and your family. It can mean um, you and your servants. So if you had an older couple in the Bible who happened to have three servants, the Bible would still refer to them as their household. So just to say that household equals infants is not a good argument. Uh, It's not one that anybody should try to stand on. Um, But when we look at this argument, uh, if you were to look at this argument, it does open up a strong counter argument. Against infant sprinkling. Uh, in the instances where these households responded to the gospel by being baptized, it's obvious that they had certain faculties exceeding that of an infant. The New Testament order, the New Testament order is always as follows: the preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the gospel, 
that produces faith in the gospel, and then people are baptized. Whenever you read, and we're going to read it, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts. Whenever you read in the book of Acts, um, and even in the gospels, to be honest with you, whenever you read that people were baptized, there was a few things they did. Number one, they... they um, they, the gospel was preached, all right? You'll see this in all the accounts. The gospel was preached. Number two, the Bible will often say, and they heard the gospel, or they heard the word, or they heard the preaching. That word hear there does not mean the ability to pick up sound. It means they comprehended, right? And then the scripture says what? That faith cometh by hearing. hearing. So they heard it. They comprehended it. They understood they understood what was being said. This is why this is why the Ethiopian eunuch, when he heard the word that was preached, and what did he say? Here's water. What does hinder me? So he, he heard the gospel. He comprehended what was being said. In fact, he began by saying he was reading and he did not understand what he was reading. And he said, explain this to me. And when it was explained to him, he was like, man, I get it. Here's water. Baptize me. So there was not only preaching, there was comprehension, there was faith, and then there was the baptism. And as we as apostolics would go one step further, there was the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But let's look at these examples. Acts 2.41. Who can read that for me? And then they that gladly received his word were baptized. All right. Those who had received his word were baptized. Uh, That word received there is not meaning uh, that word received there means, of course, that they understood it. Uh, They gladly received it. In fact, most translations uh, will just use the word. Those who had received the word were baptized. In other words, they they comprehended what was being said to them. They received it. And uh, and they were baptized. Acts eight twelve. Who can read that for me? All right, Janelle. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Where's the infants? <laughs> There's no infants in there. The Bible says they, they heard the word. They responded, right? They, they, they believed. And then they were baptized, both men and women, not infants. So what the, the important part of that verse there is you don't see this whole community saying, bring the babies. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So obviously, first century Christians did not do this. They did not say, hey, get everybody in here, including the babies. And let's and let's baptize them. But I, what, the thing I do want to emphasize to you is uh, the first four words. But when they believed, all right, uh, my version is slightly different. But when they believed the things that Philip was preaching, belief is not within the faculties or the capacity of an infant. Right. All right. So that right there is is something that a children, a child can believe. Right. A child does believe. Yeah. Um, but there again, you see Philip is preaching. There is belief. There's comprehension. Uh, and then uh, there is the baptizing. And here we also see that the baptizing is specifically targeting men and women. Uh, in this case, they're not even targeting children. Uh, Acts 10.33. Um, I'm going to just read this to you. I have a slightly different version, but it all pretty much reads uh, the same. Uh, who can read Acts 10? I need somebody else to pick it up at 1044. But listen here. We all know this. This is where Cornelius is getting baptized. 
But look here what it says. This is Cornelius talking. He says, now, therefore, are we all here present before God to what? To hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Again, here we see that uh, Cornelius is saying, we're all here. My whole house is here Uh, and we're all here to hear uh, the things that uh, God has commanded you to preach to us. But again, uh, that word here in preaching and present and all these things uh, are making us understand that there's that level of comprehension that's required. Um, But but let's go on to 44. Who can start reading in 44? While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Again, there. Uh, keep going. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Keep going. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter... Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? All right. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. But look here again. Uh, key phrases to look at. The Holy Ghost fell on them, which what? Which heard the word. They comprehended it. Yes, Peter spoke these words. Here's the preaching. Here's the comprehension. At the end is the baptism. But keep reading. Uh, look at this. Um, for they heard. How do we know they received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Here's the apostolic position. We don't believe infants can speak in tongues. Uh, I've seen my, my one-year-old get stammering lips once or twice, uh, but I don't think she's praying. Um, so uh, we would argue from an apostolic point of view that infants can't even receive the Holy Ghost, um, let alone uh, Peter goes on to clarify that, that these Gentiles are receiving the Holy Ghost as they did back in Acts chapter 2. So we don't believe that an infant can experience that. Neither do we believe that an infant is capable of comprehending Peter's message. We would not believe. And and again, in in Acts 10, it says, and all they, and all they which heard, uh, all they which comprehended, the whole household here. Infants are not being included in this. Uh, We don't don't believe that the gospel writer is saying, yeah, the one-year-old's in the corner. Man, they thought Peter was preaching really good. Um, that's not what we believe. Furthermore, the way we know the infants are not involved in this, what does the Bible say they, they did when they got the Holy Ghost? Magnify God. They magnified God. And that word, mag- and I know some people might say, well, you know, babies magnify God. You know, they're, you know, they're a beautiful creation. True. But this, that word magnify there actually means to declare. It means declarative praise. The word magnify there means that these people begin to speak the praises of God. And that's actually, uh, that happened in Acts chapter 2 as well. They heard them declare the mighty works of God. An infant cannot do this. All right? So infants are not involved in this. Uh, In Acts 16, verses 30 through 34, um, we have the story of the Philippian jailer who asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe. Again, 
belief, this, this, uh, this thing that infants do not do. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very uh, hour uh, of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with him and his whole household. Again, um, not to, yes, I am beating a dead horse here. Uh, uh, again, we see that there is this preaching, believing response, right. things that just is exceeds the capacity of infants. Right. There's no way that infants would be involved in this. Uh, Acts 18 and 18, uh, the Bible talks to us about Crispus, the leader of a synagogue. He believed in the Lord with his whole household and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were baptized as well. If children were baptized in these verses, they could not have been infants, let alone Infants who were sprinkled. Furthermore, the people in these verses all possess the faculties and capacities to believe and to hear or comprehend. Again, something that infants clearly are not capable of. Um, if they were sprinkling people, uh, this is what I believe, right? So this this might be controversial for some people. But Ephesians 4 and 5 tells us there is one baptism. Right. Uh, so this sprinkling thing is technically another baptism. <laughs> it's totally different. It, it doesn't involve uh, submerging. Uh, so I don't know how to, re- I, I can't reconcile that. I, I don't believe there's only one baptism. I don't believe the apostles were like, okay, we're done with, uh, with all the women and, uh, and all the men and women. Uh, let's get the babies in here. And, and now all of a sudden there's kind of this different ceremony taking right. place. Uh, where they're like sprinkling babies. Right. Uh, that would that, in my opinion, is another baptism. Uh, and num- it's not even a baptism; it's a sprinkling. Right. I don't even like calling it infant baptism because they're not baptizing at all. Right. They're sprinkling. Um, uh, these are, in fact, uh, the people that argue this. They they go on to argue the notion that when um, they they continue to make parallels and analogies between. Uh, when the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea or passed over the Jordan, um, what they'll say is, well, you know, Hebrews talks about being baptized into the Red Sea, all these things. And they'll say, well, don't you believe that when the Israelites crossed the sea and they were baptized in these analogies that they were holding infants? And so the answer is like, well, yes, of course they were holding infants. The problem here is that you are stretching a a. A, a, a analogy way more than you should because for example uh, the Bible says we are we are the Lord's sheep but how far do I take that you know do, do, do I show up to church walking on all fours you know and, and wearing a fuzzy jacket and just you know no you know the Bible says you know Jesus is the door you know and and uh, he's the Lion of Judah. And there's, there's, you're not, you know, you're just not supposed to stretch things to that degree. And, and people, people find it, and, you, and anybody could do this. And you don't have to be necessarily arguing for infant baptism or a sprinkling. You could be arguing for anything and, and, and take an analogy and just stretch it way too far. 
<clears throat> and um, as one man said, you could twist the word till it says uncle. And we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, there, there, you got to just, there's parameters there that you have to try to stay in. Probably the most strong argument, and um, it, it's the strongest argument, in my opinion, on the surface for infant baptism. And we're just going to eliminate sprinkling here because the it, it does it by itself. Um, but it's Colossians 2 and 10. Uh, who can read Colossians 2 and 10 for 11? Uh, proponents of infant baptism, uh, I would say if they have any argument uh, that would you probably have to think about a little bit, it's this one. Uh, uh, Colossians 2, 10 uh, to 11. And ye are completed in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Keep going. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he put it together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All right. So uh, before we go anywhere, little commercial break here. This is actually a beautiful oneness verse because it says that we are that that we have received the circumcision of Christ Uh, in in scripture. uh, The first circumcision that ever took place, the father did it. Abraham, Abraham, the father of of all of us all. He performed the first circumcision and uh, uh, it goes on. It says first it talks about the circumcision of Christ. And then it talks about uh, the circum the operation of God, and so it's actually using uh, 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 Jesus uh, as the circumciser, which is an act only performed by God by the Father Abraham. And then it goes on to say that this circumcision of Christ is also the operation of God. So it's actually a beautiful oneness verse. Uh, it's, and uh, you also know it says we are buried together with Him, not them. So uh, this is a great verse, but let's let's get back into. Can anybody see where they where they what they're going to do, uh, what people would do here to argue for infant baptism? So this is what they do. They will say, um, "Look here, uh, Paul is paralleling circumcision with baptism." So when were people baptized? Uh, when will people are circumcised? Eight days old. Eight days old. Perfect. So they say, see there? Uh, now, here's the problem. You have to buy into like what, what I call hidden theology uh, rather than plain reading of text. So what you have to do is you have to say, okay, here's this little nugget. Here's this little revelation versus what the Bible's actually saying. So you have to kind of read into the text here. Uh, and they're... There, there are multiple problems with this uh, interpretation of this verse. Before we go anywhere with this verse, I want to tell you something about infant baptism. Uh, infant baptism uh, and the people who came up with it, Tertullian is actually the first person that ever spoke of infant baptism. And he did this centuries, meaning hundreds of years after the book of Colossians was written. And when Tertullian actually spoke of infant baptism... He himself, uh, he himself never, never paralleled 
Colossians chapter 2 with, he, with uh, infant baptism. He never used circumcision and infant baptism and to put the two together. He, he actually argued something else. Um, but we've already actually gone through that. Uh, but there's a good reason even Tertullian didn't touch it. And that is because, uh, well, who can read Genesis 17, 12? Uh, Genesis 17, 12. Okay, so can you see what the problem is there right away with circumcision? Gender. It's gender specific. So circumcision was only for boys, right? There's no f- female circumcision. So if if these if this parallel were to be harmonious, if they can't, well, it cannot be harmonious because then this would only apply to to boys. Then, yeah, you can baptize infants, but only boys. Elder Harris. Not, not only that, if they're going to parallel that with the circumcision, that means it has to happen every eighth day. Every eighth day. And that, that was my next point. So if you're born again, you have to wait eight days <laughs> to be baptized. So you get the Holy Ghost, and then eight days after that, uh, you can be baptized, but not any time before. Yeah, so there's, you see all the problems here that begin to emerge? Yeah. There's just, it just falls apart very quickly. Yeah. Um, and the biggest problem is that, that, that the parallels here that they would try to draw, uh, they have no way of being strict parallels. Uh, and in fact, it just unravels. Uh, it's little wonder that uh, this parallel of circumcision and infant sprinkling wasn't even used for several centuries um, because infant sprinkling as a parallel to uh, circumcision of children uh, is totally inconsistent with the teachings of the Apostle Paul. In fact, we definitely know he's not talking about infant sprinkling because what does he say in the next verse? You are buried, not sprinkled. You are buried with with Christ in baptism. So he's definitely not referring to any kind of sprinkling that goes on with babies. Um, so the answer, the answer to this is that this idea, this interpretation of infant, uh, applying this to an interpretation of infant sprinkling or baptism is clearly not consistent with any of the uh, teachings of the Apostle Paul regarding baptism. And it's not even consistent with early Christians. Early Christians didn't even, they didn't even try to do this. They didn't even try to make that parallel. Uh, that's not how they viewed baptism. They, what, what essentially I'm trying to tell you is that they never saw a reason to baptize an infant. They never saw it this way. They never thought that this was ap- applicable. Um, even here, uh, we see that that the theology of Paul and, and really all the apostles for that sake uh, did not include infants in the baptismal formula. They, they just were not in that. They were not part of it. Uh, they were, it was never targeted towards them, but it does apply to children. If our children can comprehend, if our children can understand, right. if our children can repent, cry, pray, praise, they're ready. Right. Uh, they're ready to receive the Holy Ghost. They're ready to be baptized, but this just clearly does not do anything for infants. Uh, And neither is it applicable for infants. 
And really, there's several other arguments, but they, they're only weaker than that. That, in my opinion, was probably the strongest argument they had. And as we could see, it's just not valid. Right. Not even early proponents of infant uh, sprinkling, yay, baptism, use that verse. It falls apart. It's, it's horrible. It's bad. It's bad theology. So we're going to close with this. So what do we do with this information? Um, I know for me, when I first got saved, uh, I'd probably hit somebody over the head with it. That was like my take is like, man, hallelujah. We're going to go, go get us some, some infant baptizers and let them have it. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, there's some effectiveness there. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, if you, if you go around doing stuff like that, you probably will find somebody who say, my, you know, my life has just been changed. You, you open my eyes. But, um, what I want us to do is, is to share truth. Share truth. Share truth. Uh, ask people to go to the scriptures. Uh, you know, the Bible says that the Bereans were noble. They were noble. And the reason they were noble is because they heard the word. Again, they comprehended the word. And does anybody know what they say next? They searched the scriptures when? Daily. For what? To see if those things were true. And so what I want us to take from this Bible study, it's let's let's cultivate nobility. Let's encourage people. Hey, let's meet tomorrow. Let's meet the next day if we have to. And let's meet for two more days if we have to. And let's look at the Bible. Not not our traditions, not 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 booklets or pamphlets. Uh, let's we're not going to even go to Wikipedia on this one. We're we're going to go to the Bible. Let's just see what the Bible says. And 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 let's when when you're out there teaching your Bible studies and you're out there winning your souls and you're doing your thing. And uh, let's let's go right to the word. Let's 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 keep encouraging people. Man, what does this verse say? You know, read this. Read this for yourself. Look, look at this, uh, you know, and encourage people also, you know. What, what do you see there? You know, what, how do you read this and, and, and show them? Uh, I know for me, the thing that was the most, uh, the most gripping when I first started coming to church was when people were just like, look, um, this is what, you know, John four and nine says, you know, and whatever. And they took me right to the verses and they just showed me what the verses said. And then I remember many times getting dropped off at home after Bible study and thinking to myself, you know what? I need to wrestle with this text. Yeah. I need to now come to a conclusion whether I, I'm going to argue with the Bible or not. And thank God I chose not to argue with the Bible, you know, and uh, uh, here I am today saved. So let's encourage people to search the verses. Amen. Let's be there with them if we have to do it daily. Amen. Amen.